I mean, I don't like chocolate, but I don't mind driving down the Hershey Highway. Wow. That is so true. <laughs> to the Down in Front Podcast, the official podcast of downinfrontpodcast.com. My name is Warren, and what we do is typically we review a movie, a TV show, something that we like seen on TV or in Twitter, and we review it with a bunch of my best friends while we all consume some sort of beverage. And tonight we are going to be reviewing the newest film by uh, new director Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born, um, featuring Bradley Cooper himself and Lady Gaga and a bunch of other great um, cast members. So I'm super pumped to talk about that. Before we uh, talk about the movie, I'm going to toss it over to two of my best friends. I have the mouth of the South himself, who gets kicked out of amusement parks all over the time. Uh, Rylan, how's it going, man? What you been uh, drinking and what you been watching? Hey, how's it going this evening? It's going well. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Uh, so what I'm drinking right now, I'm finishing off the last little bit of this Hawk Statler's Slow and Low Rock and Rye 84 proof whiskey I'm working on. Uh, it is available at your local apothecaries everywhere. Uh, but what I've been watching recently, I checked out uh, <clears throat> Joe Rogan's new stand-up on Netflix, Joe Rogan's Strange Times. Uh, I like Joe Rogan. I think he's a good interview per- person on YouTube and everything, and I like his podcast. Uh, and this stand-up, uh, I'd never seen a Joe Rogan stand-up before, so I like that it was just one hour, and it was just like quick-witted um, jokes that he's told and it's not like anything he's like he's not being super provocative or anything he's he's basically performing highbrow dick and fart jokes for the most part and i i enjoyed it it's very south park humor which was fun and it's pretty much it doesn't uh it doesn't overstay its welcome so that's the cool thing about it that's that's um, on my wish oh, yeah. list right now um i I just came out, like you said, and I've been waiting for us to get me and my roommate to get like an hour together where we can go. His last stand up from like 2015, 2016, his the first 10 minutes had us like crying, laughing. Triggered. Yeah. 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 It was really good. Yeah. I think this one, I mean, it's, I enjoyed it just as much. Uh, probably not as, I'd say, quote unquote, important in Joe Rogan's life compared to the other one. But it's still good to see that he'll take the time to do like a nice classic stand up movie as well. Um, The other thing I've been watching, I went and saw White Boy Rick in the uh, movie theaters, uh, which stars uh, Matthew McConaughey uh, and uh, a young new artist. I forget his name, but I like gangster films and. This movie bothered me a lot just because you expect in a gangster film for the gangster to be doing a lot of gangster shit, and you really don't get that in this movie. So even though there's like a lot of hype, it's based on a book, it's about like the youngest drug kingpin ever in America. Um, 
But you never get that feeling in this movie either. Everything's like kind of behind closed doors and you get a lot of conversation pieces. Whether that was done for budgetary reasons or uh, just because of availability of actors or anything, we don't don't know. But it comes off as a kind of a paint-by-numbers, mediocre gang movie. uh, And it doesn't really make the main character that interesting. So I'd pass on it. That's a bummer. I saw so much um, like marketing and advertisement for that film in like different yeah. um, sections. Like I always would like you turn my head, you know, turn it off or just leave or something like that when it comes to that trailer. But I felt like that trailer was coming on all the time. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know that when that movie came out. So that's crazy. To, that's a, kind of a bummer because, you know, I like McConaughey's work, but oh, well. Yeah, and McConaughey does his McConaughey thing in this movie, and it's interesting to hear him affect a Detroit, Michigan accent, being from Texas, and he kind of pulls it off, which is pretty neat, but um, it's it's still like, you feel like this was just a movie made, so McConaughey could be nominated for an Oscar this coming fall, which I don't think it should for this movie. <laughs> I was just going to ask you that, like, if do you, did you hear any Oscar buzz from this? Not really, no. I mean, it's good performances, but not something amazing. Fair. Well, I'm pumped to uh, hear your thoughts on this beautiful movie that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, So, as always, I'm excited to see your face. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to toss it over to one of my best friends that we grew up together. Um, We knew each other way back in uh, Lowell. Uh, The Shredder. Mr. Blewett, Blue's Clues. How's it going, man? What you sipping on and what you been watching? Yeah, man. Do you remember uh, going to the mailroom with Steve back in uh back in the day? Yeah, yeah. That was good. It was, growing up, growing up so, together. So weird. It is mail time. Um, hey, uh, <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing real good right now. Uh, I'm sipping down on a Backflash New England India Pale Ale, uh, which we shouldn't be just based on the subject matter of tonight. I feel like tonight would have been a better water night, but here we are. Um, it's solid. I honestly just got it because the can art is like Alston. Oh, which is well, like that's a, pretty cool. Yeah, I saw it sitting there. And I'm like, yeah, I, I, that's basically how I drink beer now. I just go into this back freezer and just whatever the coolest can art is available, I consume. Um, as for what I've been watching, uh, I went to the first live taping of a podcast ever, which would be awesome if if this ever went on the road. Uh, I saw the gals in Making a Murder uh, talk about murders. Uh, so not to promote to them too much because they have enough fans. Um, it was also interesting because 90% of the people there were like 25 to 35 year old women. Uh, and so that was an interesting environment to be in, considering that most of the time, if I leave my house, it's to go to a Celtics game and that's all dudes. So it's like, it was very, very different. <laughs> they were funny though. Um, let's see. I watched Chris Delia, Delia, however the hell you pronounce his names, uh, last stand up, And that was, that was pretty funny. He had some, uh, good shock factor jokes. Uh, I haven't really watched a movie. Oh, no, totally. Watch this movie called The Last Shift. And I don't think I talked about it because I wasn't on Hellfest. It was freaking amazing. It's on Netflix. It stars basically this one lady that I don't remember her name. She's like a nobody. And it's her as a cop. I know. I'm killing it right now. Um, 
It's her as a cop on her last night in this old precinct facility. She literally just has to sit there and guard the place, uh, an empty building until daybreak. And then she gets relieved and the whole building gets knocked down. And the movie is that 12 hours. And it is phenomenal. Scared the absolute hell out of me. Um, Could recommend it for a fear boners, but I think it came out like six or seven years ago. So not super recent. That's the never la- stopped the, the fear boner. Not yeah. at all. The last shit uh, by director Matthew Moore. Yeah, who's the girl? Jacques. Jacques Shy. That doesn't sound right. No. Okay, this is the first thing I looked up on IMDb. So it's like, <laughs> maybe, maybe? I don't know. Well, let me make sure I got the right name. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Here I am, like, espousing these great things about it. Last shift. Well, as Bluett takes a look into that, uh, I'm going to go and says, my name is Warren. I will be the host for this evening. Uh, I am currently sipping on some Jameson and Diet Coke because I need to watch the figure. And uh, it's been delicious. And I've been watching uh, the newer. I I thought it was a movie. And so I think I was up till maybe 3.34 in the morning, kind of bored last night and couldn't really sleep. And so I just started watching something on Netflix. And I'm like, you know what, let's take a look. Instead of watching something else I've already seen, let me find something new on Netflix. And let me watch this live animated um, movie, TV show, however you want to call it, of Bleach on Netflix. Man, I did not like this first episode. It (laughs) was episodic. It's not a movie. I'm not sure because I was getting super tired too. And I was like, I'm kind of just done with this. I, I, just let it end so I can see how it ends and I'm and I'm good. I can just go back and watch the regular Bleach. Um, yeah, I just didn't like really anything about it. They changed up the story. It's like the stereotypical why you shouldn't make live action, <laughs> live action movies. Um, but I'm sure people are going to like it. I think uh, Mocha and maybe even Abbott said that they had um, saw it a part of the podcast. So I'm curious to see um, what they thought. But I'm probably not going to continue it at all. Um, so I'm still looking for something new. Not really. But I am de- definitely looking for something new in the background that I can watch. Besides uh, me and Emma's uh, continuing marathoning of Mad Men, which is great. So that's what I've been watching. So I looked it up. Uh, Juliana Hartkavi is the actress name in this movie called Last Shift. And she is most commonly known as Dina Drake or Black Canary from the Arrow DC universe. Oh, yeah. So if you're a fan of any of those shows, primarily Arrow and her work on that, I'm sure you'll love Last Shift. And if you like horror movies, you will love this. Scared the absolute hell out of me. Sorry, Warren. So Now you're good. So that's from 2014 um, by director Anthony de Blasi. Yep. And that name sounds very familiar. I think it's because it's... Uh, isn't that the mayor of New York? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, de Blasio. <laughs> no, as a fucking director, damn it. Uh, I'll take a look because that, that name sounds familiar, um, but I'm surprised because that movie, at least IMDb, and I stopped watching a bunch of these um, sort of ratings, but it only got a 5.4 rating on IMDb. So curious if Blew It is recommending it, if that's going to uh, hurt our ratings or not. To be fair, I was completely sober. My two roommates were pretty stoned, and they thought it was the craziest thing that I've ever thought. It's like seeing. I thought it was pretty freaking awesome, too, though. So I'd take that how you will. Yeah, I'm not sure how I'd want to take that, but okay. I may check it out. It's on Netflix? Yeah. 
Well, I'm pumped, guys. Thanks for kind of joining tonight. Uh, we're going to be giving you a full review. We're going to get into A Star is Born by director uh, Bradley Cooper. Uh, but before we start talking about the movie, we're actually going to um, get into our spoiler section a bit early. So I would say if you haven't seen the movie yet, what's wrong with you? Um, definitely go check this movie out. If you can, check it out in either IMAX or Dolby. I think the sound quality will definitely help you out. I know we talk about AMC Dolby a lot, but just in any case, you know, even if it's not AMC, definitely spend a, a few more bucks to get a good um, production that has the quality sound, because I think that's only going to help you out. Um, so definitely go check that out in the uh, upgraded sort of uh, cinema if you can. So we're going to get into our full sort of spoiler section and we're going to take a break really quickly and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. back and we have a down in front podcast my name is warring i'm with brylin and i'm with uh blewett all of them call him mocha mike but they all look alike uh and tonight we're giving you a full spoiler section review of a star is born so from now on we will be reviewing the movie if you haven't seen it i would pause the recording right now definitely go check out this movie because it is pretty good come on back and then join us um, so we're going to break up the movie in a couple different sections. So we're going to, as usually, we talk about the acting and the story a bit. And then the other couple moments that we're going to be talking about is the music and the directing, because it is going to be um, some original music and some original work. And uh, Bradley Cooper is the director. And then we're also going to talk about the depiction of addiction in the actual movie itself. They do kind of talk about not only alcoholism, but the overall use of kind of drug use and how does that affect people's lives. So uh, I'm going to toss it over to the mouth of the South and uh, Brylin, go ahead and open it up for us if you don't mind. Yeah. So, uh, wow, this movie, um, I'm going to start first by talking a little bit about the story because the actual plot of this movie is very simple and it's very straightforward. And I mean, that's for purpose. I mean, this is the third or fourth version of this same story as well just told in a different way uh and but the cool thing about it is keeping the story this simple allows for the acting and also the music to kind of tell the story to you which is i think fantastic like i wouldn't call this a musical even though it's based on a musical i i feel like musicals still like the songs drive the story a little bit more than what these songs do, but the songs definitely set up the tone and like they do lead to kind of like underpinnings of what's going to happen to these characters too. So I guess this would be kind of like a musical narrative hybrid, but it works really amazingly well. And one of those big reasons is because of Bradley Cooper and Bradley Cooper. Um, I didn't know he could sing, but he sings really well. He sounds like a country fried, uh, Dave Grohl in this movie, which is really cool. Nice. Uh, and even his the, normal the night. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but also like seeing Bradley Cooper act in this, um, he's definitely transforms himself into a character, which is really cool to see, uh, especially with all the demons that this character is, uh, is facing as well. So you do see like his, his skin's always super shiny and red and those eyes that stick out, those piercing eyes. And his tale is a tragic one, even though he is at the top of this game when this, we see this movie first open up. Uh, even though we see him drinking and everything, um, it's cool to see, like, wow, he's amazingly talented. But then when you start to learn more about him, like, he didn't really know his parents. He was raised by his brother, who was at the same time trying to do his own musical thing. And so, was he ever, did he ever grow up? Is probably one of the things, or did he even learn like responsibility? Because it's interesting to see that his character going through everything is like a force of nature. And he's kind of like, I see something beautiful. I want that beautiful thing. I feel a connection with this person that also plays music. I want to make music with this person. Um, and it's every single scene with him in it is just like, wow, you're at the same times like charming as hell, but also haunting as hell uh, simultaneously. And it's amazing that he pulls that off. And it's uh, and it's very amazing and like it's hopeful, but also at the same time heartbreaking. What it eventually comes to him because you want to root for him, you want him to get over his demons, but sometimes the demons just they went over and they won probably many many years ago, even before help came at, came on its way. Yeah, that's a good call out, Bryling. Of I mean, the authenticity that he that we learn from his character, but that is such a great, such a great call out because we see, um, we learn visually, we see and we learn about Allie's character and we kind of know where she come from and um, like what she has to deal with from her like part-time or her job that she has to deal with and how she sings and performs. But we actually have no idea of Bradley Cooper's character, Jackson Maine or Jack. We have no information for him at all when the movie starts. And then we slowly start getting that information from the dialogue, but it's in like, like bits and pieces, but it's such a great call out because he, it, it definitely seems like he's never grown up. Um, and you see that from his brother, um, was playing by Sam Elliott. Elliot. Um, his brother kept kept saying, you know, I'm tired of taking care of you. I'm tired of doing this, doing this. And it's constant. It's constant. And uh, we don't really see uh, what that is. Kind of we see kind of a couple of different conversations as the movie kind of progresses. But we're not entirely sure of the actual impact up until Allie comes into the picture. Now we're starting to see that impact. Um, but that is, that is definitely kind of a great call. Because it definitely is like amazing, charming, yet terribly heartbreaking too yeah and you also see a lot of differences like kind of Allie when she starts to be noticed by uh the music business part of music um she has to handle kind of all these things on her own and kind of like force herself to deal with what's good what's bad what i want to do what's going to be interesting for me what's going to keep me busy being away from jackson and vice versa uh, at the same time, you get the feeling that Jackson has never run into any of the business dealings, that his brother probably just swooped right in. It's like, I'll take the brunt of all that. You just be Jackson May. And I think that's very telling about these characters and where they come from. Uh, you mentioned Allie, and I'll go right into it, that Lady Gaga plays Allie, and she's amazing, too, in this movie. That uh, 
we know that Lady Gaga is an amazing uh, musical performer and everything. She's done some acting. Uh, whether or not it's been good or bad, I don't know. I haven't really seen her act in anything. But I thought she was amazing in this movie that she's able to balance like kind of the like uh, shy ingenue like you see it all the time. You go into a bar and it's like, wow, that girl has an amazing voice. Why isn't she doing something else? And you get that kind of story of all those um, people out there that are talently gifted with their voice, but you know they just don't know what direction to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's just kind of plucked out of obscurity by a random chance encounter by Jackson because he just finds what she does amazing and beautiful and he loves her at first sight. And she's not sure how to handle this as well. So, and she also gets like this pressure. Like I think something that helped her out is like, she's living in this house with four other guys that are just saying, look, you should do this. You should do this. And her dad played by Andrew Dice Clay, who is amazing in this movie. Um, Kind of like, you, you should go for this because of the business and you'll be a great star and everything. She's like, I just want to learn who this person is. And so it's also very cool to see that she knows something's up with Jackson, but she still wants to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. And I think that she handled that really, really well in this movie. I do I would- like that. Um, the the difference of the comparison, and I think you were kind of mentioning something, and I'll probably come back to this a little bit later, but they, I definitely felt like they knew, like at least Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, like knew what sort of movie they were playing because they kind of stepped into, I think, these roles that kind of sort of got them famous in the first place, sort of. Um, Bradley Cooper looks great, right? Like blonde hair, blue eyes, dudes like jacked when he first came on the scene in Wedding Crashers, I believe. Um, maybe Tec- something even technically earlier Technically, Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, but, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right, right. But, like, I mean, like, so he is literally, like, what people kind of want to look like, want to be, like, the epitome of, like, sort of, like, Hollywood or being famous, show business, you name it, like, you have that. And then when Lady Kaga came on the scene, she, I mean, even from that time, she was always known for her great singing, but not really known for her looks. And... She had a, a completely different sort of persona that was out there, but it was amazing, and everybody kind of accepted that, and they they accepted her. They didn't care because of like the way she looked. They accepted her because of her music and what she had to say. Um, and I think looking at Jack and Allie's character, they both stepped into that. That they stepped into those personas even more because you kind of got those characters out of this here. Now it's a little bit different because we already know Jack, and like you said, Briley, he already started out as being super famous, so he kind of like went in there, and it was a little bit easier for him. We find out maybe not so much, but at least when he started the movie, it seems like it's easy for him, whereas Allie is still working up to be this. And even though she's singing in a drag bar and she's having a great time with it and everybody's like loves her, she's still invisible um, just because of the way that she looks. And the simplicity and the authenticity saying, you know, how Jackson Maine or Jack loved her nose, right, was one of the reasons why people didn't really like um, her look. She had the great sound, but not even her look. So I liked uh, just how that was being portrayed in the movie. And I think that definitely has something to do with just how they were, um, that how they end up becoming famous in real life. I, I will say this. Uh, so first of all, to address that, uh, this movie kind of operated as a, like, not backdoor pilot, but like a backdoor biopic. 
of Lady Gaga's career. She so up, yeah. if, if people don't know, she started as a staff writer, I believe, for the producer Red One. Um, and so she I think she got the job when she was like 19, 20 years old. And then after a couple of years of writing hit songs for other folks, she decided to put her own record together. And that's what you see with, I think Kesha and Sia did the same thing. Like they were staff writers. They wrote for a ton of other people and then they finally, you know, did their own thing. Um, And so it was kind of interesting to see the like somewhat aversion to the spotlight. I mean, granted they did it with like her words, you know, she only covered other people's words rather than singing her own songs. But I think it's still somewhat, you know, maintains like you don't want the focus on you. You want the focus on a character or you know, someone else. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And again, really easy from a writing and directing standpoint to be like, yeah, just be how you were, feel how you felt 10 years ago when you started this whole thing. Um, I will say this, though, that her acting I feel so bad saying this. She was probably the least competent actor on the the screen. Um, I thought yeah, that but... right, right, I, right. I know. I I feel okay. bad saying okay. this. Okay. Like, she's okay. the worst twenty four karat diamond. Yeah, I know. So she diamonds. she was she was like so utterly outclassed by Cooper, Elliot, Dice Clay, like. I mean, maybe you could make a point for the cameo of Dave Chappelle, like not really, you know, being that that powerful. But like she but she definitely she came off as a singer entertainer first, not an actress. Um, She was great for most of it. There was just like some of those times that like, yeah, she just definitely does not know how to deliver that sort of line at all. Like. It's just not in her repertoire, and she could get it. She could get there. Um, I think we're gonna we're gonna talk about this later. I think she brought more to this movie than any sort of acting slip up would would pull back up and away from it. So I'm not gonna falter too much. But she was definitely like the weakest link on that that acting. Sam Elliott put in a crazy performance. Yeah, like an insane I, I, for a for a you know a, a supporting actor. Yeah, and even though it like kind of starts off as that like Sam Elliott style of role that you'll see him in, like in the Big Lebowski or anything where he's like that voice of conscience, just because he has that voice he can uh, use. And you could probably see Sam Elliott playing Jackson Maine like thirty years ago. Uh, but uh, there's there's something more. He like actually gets very vulnerable in this, and there's that moment where. Jackson just runs up and punches him because he moved the grave of their parents and sold that land uh, for development. And, you know, he they have it out. It's like, hey, I mean, you might want to have some type of misguided or manufactured idea of who your parents were, but I grew up with them and they were shitheads. So mm-hmm. there's no, look, there's no love lost for me losing that land. It doesn't matter to anybody, but for your, like, your own, like, eagerness to kind of feel like you had a home. Yeah. And even that, you know, I know we're going to talk about a little bit of, you know, the depiction of uh, addictions, but he even told him that, you know, 
Sam Elliott told Jackson Maine that I told you that I did this and you were just so loaded up and you're so drunk and you're just on whatever that you just don't remember. Um, and that was like another heartbreaking moment, especially because we actually don't get too many sequences and scenes when we learn anything about Sam Elliott. I had no idea that was his brother. Yeah. Even until like that it hit, I think that wasn't intentional because I'm like, oh shit! Until he you mentioned actually... his brother too. He like, he mentioned his brother being raised by him, and I'm like, oh cool. He just have a manager board, or you know, this guy who helps him out. But all right, that's that's cool. I don't know what it is, and then you see him like helping him into the bed, and like you know, basically putting him to sleep, and was uh you know, and Allie was there getting excited, and then you know, ended up having to go to sleep, and so it's like, oh shit, like. This dude, like, take care of, oh my gosh, they're brothers. But it adds an additional layer. And I kid you not, but he was probably in total for the movie, maybe four or five scenes total, which is still a lot of um, uh, information, a lot of movie to be put in. But we actually don't get a lot of information. His character's name is Bobby, so Bobby Main. Um, we actually don't get a lot of information, but the sequences that we do, we get so much information just from his acting and the overall scene structure, I think it was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. They they do an incredible job of like you naturally understanding what's going on. Like um, there's a scene with Dave Chappelle in it, and I do wish there was more Dave Chappelle in here. Kind of like maybe had his drummer character like at the beginning say, "All right, this is my last show." see a jackson maybe have a moment at that time but he has a very cool speech because he's like picking jackson up off the ground in memphis and he's just talking about like hey um you know i uh had to choose basically do i continue to live this life where I i don't know what tomorrow brings or anything or once I found something that I love and everything, do I work to keep hold of that and settle down and just build a family and build a structure around me? And he chose to build that structure and everything. And he's like, you know, yeah, I'll miss I'll miss touring every day. I'll miss playing the songs every day because it was fun. It was amazing. But this is actually, this is life. This is what's bringing me love right now is having this family and these kids. And so I thought that was a very powerful scene. And I just wish we had more Dave Chappelle in this movie because of that. Um, I love the fact, so Dave Chappelle plays a character called George George Noodles Stone that we have no idea what his name is, but it doesn't (laughs) matter, right? But that one sequence, I think I actually saw, and I got kind of pissed that I was spoiled that he was even in his movie. I saw that someone, they played the trailer or something. I'm like, motherfucker. Um... But I think that scene also, you know, just about everybody that was in this movie, like really spoke to how they view themselves, I think, Um, especially the shit that happened with Chappelle show and kind of falling out and him basically kind of walking away from it and everything of um, as much as we can kind of gather that definitely seems like it's people dealt with people deal with shit in real life. Like these actors have dealt with shit. And so I'm glad that they can at least you know, through this medium of a movie, at least tell us that, hey, we dealt with some shit. We at least want to tell you some of the shit that we dealt with. And the fact that although it may seem great and amazing for right now, you at least have the power to know when to stop and when to walk away. Um, and I, I mean, I love, I think I love every sequence that Dave Chappelle's in because A, I think it's going to be hilarious, but it's not. But I think this is probably one of the only times that we ever seen Dave Chappelle in a serious role or semi-serious role, which 
it makes it even more impactful. Um, and I think it's even more important that, you know, I'd like to see him and not only him, but just more of these comedians or people who are very, very up in like the times and like speak out and like out really talking about like politics and racism and things like that in society today outside of this movie to see him back in this movie and play uh, such a grounded role trying to help out Jackson Maine. Well, I think Dave Chappelle is like, he's a very grounded person. Even his comedy, I, I wouldn't say he tells jokes. He just tells anecdotes that happen to be some of the funniest thing I've ever I've ever seen. So it doesn't take much for a person like that to trans you know transfer that over to a serious role. I will say this though, you brought up a good point that this movie purposely does not tell us the full picture. Do you know does anyone know what Ali's last name is? Ali nope. Bope Ali. Yeah. Yep. And I thought that was a, an incredibly powerful <laughs> role or pr- powerful moment when she came out and you'd never heard her last name. Her father's in it. You know, all of her father's friends who, you know, if you know me, like everyone calls me by my, by my last name. You know, like that's that's how we kind of talk to each other. But you never once hear her last name. And then at the end, she comes out. She says, oh, I'm Ali Main. And she kind of accepts that identity. Um, and it it was, it was awesome. Like it was, it was such a touching moment of like, we didn't know even this character's last name. And now she comes out and identifies with her like now dead husband, Um, which was a very interesting way of telling that story. Uh, Also, I I think it was the last song. um, We're just talking about like real things. Uh, Lady Gaga sang, I think it was the last one. I was reading this on IMDb um, sang the last song, like, half hour after one of her closest friends died of cancer. So oh, like, Oh yeah. You know, so like you, the you were the real dude. Oh yeah. You were talking about that. Like where these people living in the music industry can draw from real life experience, you know, as we were talking about it being like somewhat biographical on her. Um, yeah, that was totally like, she was living through loss at that exact moment. Um, and that, that came across, there was people openly weeping. I saw it like two hours ago. There's people openly weeping during that like yeah. scene. Absolutely. I absolutely love. I know that we're jumping around, but, um, one that was actually Dave Chappelle's daughter in this movie. Cause I was like, damn, she looked exactly like him. And I thought was it like, was going to be his whole family. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I know, that'd be so I, easy. I know it wasn't his wife and his son's too old for that. I think his son's like 14 or 15. So his son was too old. He has two other sons. But his other son was like too young. Um, but I was like, man, that, t- that looks like his daughter. It looks like him, and it is. Um, but at the end, for everything that actually happened with this movie, with the changes that Ali actually made, and the hair color change, and the wardrobe change, it went back, uh, right? With the, well, with well, even with that, and her with um, performing with dancers and doing like pop and doing all this shit that. She either A, wanted to do, her manager kind of res, kind of pushed her to do. You know, there's a lot of different saying on both sides. She goes back and sings this sort of tribute song for Jackson Maine. Her hair color is the regular color, the, the regular color that was initially. She's wearing, she's um, performing by herself and she's singing like how she ended up kind of going, like why she wanted to sing music. Um, and that, you know, that was a moving scene. There was two scenes that were very, very moving in this movie for me, at least there's definitely more, but there was two that definitely kind of stood out. And that was one of them because it's a very, again, it's, 
I guess that final sequence is the epitome of how this movie made me feel and what it was trying to do. A very simplistic, a very authentic sort of um, storytelling. And we're just basically trying to tell you, A, how we feel, but B, you're not alone. Um, and I just think it was powerful. Yeah, like, especially how they cut the end of that song into, like, Jackson just playing it out for her at their house. So good. That's that's when it's, like, heartbreaking. And <laughs> you're just like, damn. Um, But I'd say, like, another actor that uh, I wish was, had more to do, but, like, came off kind of stilted in this movie. I would say this person didn't act as well as Lady Gaga. Blewett uh, was the British manager. Um, his name is Rez, Rez Gaffron, uh, who is played by Rafi Gaffron. So I guess <laughs> they did that for simplicity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he has some moments, and I think the moments are cool. I think his moments about like, hey, I'm an agent, and you know what? He's 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 doing his business thing. He's going out finding talent, and he's like, hey, you're with musicians now. Do you want to be a star? And that's a huge difference that he's going to put a whole studio behind her and like produce an image and a branding for her and everything to make her like sing in front of 100,000 people instead of 20,000 people like she was doing with Jackson. Um, and it's uh, it's interesting to see that his acting, like his performance, he feels kind of like too much of like the the Weasley, like, evil music manager like you would see in uh, Wayne's World or something like that. And I wish he played it more, like, straight, like, as a businessman. I think that would have been more impactful, especially with, like, his last conversation with Jackson. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's a point where, yeah, you don't think that he killed Jackson, but no. he has to say his part as the person that's watching out for Allie's career. And he has to say, like, yeah, you have issues. And if there's no way right now with the condition you're in that I'm going to have you near Allie for any of her work. And if that work and your work blend together, look, one has to give. And he's basically saying, like, you know, it's just a matter of time before that water turns back into gin. And Mm -hmm. he's just, like, has no hope because he's seen it a million times. He's probably seen it a million times in his own clients, too. Mm-hmm. And he's probably lost some clients there. And I wish we had a better actor that gives kind of like that gravitas and that understanding for that position to make it to show that, hey, it's not the British manager that killed Bradley Cooper in the, or killed Jackson in this movie. It's alcoholism that killed Jackson in this movie. Yeah. And it's drug addiction that killed that, uh, Jackson. See, I, and think I it feel like it would have played better with a better actor. I disagree. Uh, he was not. So Jackson was not uh, his client. He had no reason to be empath- empath- empathetic at all towards him. Um, I'm going to talk about this in the next section, the music section, a lot. But that played out exactly how I expected it to play. Like I, there just was not a bridge moment that needed to be have. That's not how that whole game goes. There's it's at that level, you're you're not seeing someone as a humanity. You're seeing someone as as literally product, a product. Yeah. And so and 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 so, yeah, it was cold hearted. Like maybe it wasn't like the most 
the strongest acting performance, but it didn't need to be. Like you didn't need to see a connection to that character. That character was cold for a reason. And I thought it was played well enough that, you know, I didn't, I didn't knock it. Yeah. Yeah, This movie is not about, I mean, this manager or anything, but I feel like those, you could have kept the words the same. Mm-hmm. I think a better actor would have delivered it more effectively. Well, the other thing that, you know, it, I, I kind of agree and disagree with both of you're saying, like, I kind of understand that you need to have a character kind of like this. that's all about business that makes it a little bit more cold and a little bit more sort of removed. But then at the same time, it almost every sequence that we see with, um, Raz, I almost called him Raz Agul. That's not it. Ra, uh, Rez. Rez, Rez, sorry. <laughs> so on almost every scene that we see with Rez, he is not the best person to Ali, his own client. He's very cold, talks about like overstepping her boundaries, talks about like they they kind of butt heads at every moment of the way. Like, yes, he's there for the business, but as as the sequences went on, we do not see it does not feel like he gives a shit about her as a person. He only cares about the identity that she's creating and bringing more money for him. And so I I definitely kind of agree and sort of disagree. I think it they could have switched it up a little bit and had Ramon in some of those um, moments. And I think if Ramon, which was Ali's best friend that we you know started with the movie with, I think if Ramon would have had that conversation with Jackson at the end, that would have make it that would have made it a bit more impactful there. Um, because then at that point, you know that Ramon knows Allie, knows Allie before Jackson Maine, knows Allie after Jackson Maine, knows Allie when you know he had to go to rehab. And so now he's coming back and he's coming back, like Ramon's coming in to have a conversation just with Jackson. And we literally have not seen that at all in the movie, right? Now it's kind of stepping out of that, and now we have like a oh shit moment. That's what have that's what have been way more impactful because I know people are gonna initially think that, oh my gosh, you know, Rez was the reason why. And you said it right, like Rez was probably like kind of pushed him over the edge. No, like Rez is kind of arguing and talking about like the fact that it's a business. He's trying to protect his client for whatever he does, but he also come up as being cold the entire movie. So it's not as impactful. But I think and I was, th- was sitting there, I was like, oh shit, if Ramon would have said that same exact thing. We know watching this movie that he's he loves Allie. He wants the best for her. And sometimes what Jackson is doing, or you know, literally what Jackson did in the past, even you know, before he went to rehab, really, really not only hurt her, but like almost destroyed everything that she's built up. And him saying that outside of being in the music industry, I think would have hit home a little bit harder. Yeah, I actually really love that idea. I never thought of that. That was that's really cool. Yeah, I'll Yay, give you one. When, when, Hollywood, when, call Warren. Call me up. My number is uh, 555-555-555. I'm going to tweet uh, your yes. number later. <laughs> Please don't tweet my Derek number. Derek Sung is going to send you so many like <laughs> motivational texts. He you can't be me. He's just going to like literally just be like, yo, you can do it, Warren. I have faith in you. Thanks, Derek. Uh, I was, it was his birthday last week, or a couple of days ago, actually. Anywho, what else you got, Bradley? Uh, that'll be it for characters and story that I have. Okay. Even though there's a lot more I want to get into in the other comp and the other segments. Um, you know, the couple of things I know that we talked about it a lot with those characters, so I'm not going to tread over um, some of the things we said. You know, a few mentions that I do want to make is when Allie and Jack um, first met. Um, it was very interesting t- that 
they first met basically in a drag bar. And I love the fact that I got super nervous. And a lot of the times, I don't know if you guys did too, but a lot of the times I'm like, this guy kind of sort of playing like country doesn't seem like he's very hip or in with it. So I thought for sure that he w- there was going to be some domestic violence issues. And I thought for sure that it was going to be some weirdness with like um, cheating uh, or. Yeah, some like the the easier things and by easier I mean easier that we see it a lot in film and cinema. Uh the things that you know are written in stories and movies a lot. But we don't get any of that. And the fact that he's just sitting there, he's talking to Ramon, so he's like going in there, he's like, Oh, I I mean for me, it looks like he was just overall not only curious but so accepting that he's in a bar that's you know, people are dressed as in drag and he's just completely fine with it sitting enjoying the actual music buying people drinks like enjoy because he's super famous so i did i did really enjoy the fact that there was never a focus on that there was things that were happening in the movie that are just completely accepted that it should be that should be the actual norm and i and i really really like that it was again the simplicity and the authenticity of oh you've never been in somewhere before some people are going to be awkward and kind of uncomfortable, and that's okay, too. You may not be used to it. Other times, people are still going to be awkward and uncomfortable, but still being accepting to, okay, well, you know, I'll go and play, and I'll sign somebody's, like, uh, I'll sign somebody's uh, prosthetic sort of boobs on there, and that's fine. And it's also a yeah. funny thing that comes back a little bit later on because she's still wearing them at the end. So I thought that was great. So I, th- I really like that sort of... I like those moments, and I think we get a lot of those in this actual movie a lot. Even the opening sequence when she's walking down the alley, and you see a star is born. See what I did there? Walking down the alley? Okay. Yeah, I didn't, so, I didn't like that scene. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was super up. campy. I know. That's why I loved it. Uh, but I, I like the fact, because it was something like very, very simple. All you just show me the title card, and you kind of keep going. The other thing I really like was when they were actually talking... And, you know, she, uh, Allie punches a guy for taking a photo and they kind of go like, have like a back and forth, but it was the fact that they're not entirely sure. And we're at the audience are not entirely sure what's going to happen. And it's like, do they like each other? Do they not like each other? He clearly wants to help her out, but he doesn't want to overstep. And he even mentions this to the driver. who's like, I think I fucked that up. He's like, no, 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 that's okay. But I like, they at least kind of injected that awkwardness into the movie. And I think especially how you know all this fame comes to Allie and she doesn't know how to handle it that's that's real nobody knows you, you can't plan for that shit like it happens how are you going to deal with it you're going to have these awkward sequences of you're not entirely sure what to do um just like Jackson uh found her this crazy talent he doesn't know what to do he's trying to kind of figure it out also and so I like those moments in the actual movie it definitely gave it the sense to kind of slow it down and it definitely added that that realism and like injecting that and consistently back into the movie more and more to make me really believe these characters and how Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga stepped out of being those people and stepped into these roles and stepped into Jack and Allie. I thought that was very, very impactful. Yeah, like I think you make a good point with the um, just how they they didn't add the things that you would usually see in a story like this. It was very stripped down. And they just throw you into a point, and then you end up at a point. And it's not like your traditional narrative, which I, I really like movies when they do this, uh, for better or worse. Um, one thing I really liked was when she first goes to Jackson's hotel room after the uh, concert and everything. 
Uh, and she says, I gotta go to the bathroom. And like most times in a movie, we'll see like the person that's waiting in the bedroom to see like, I wonder what they're doing in there. But no, we get the camera in the bathroom. We see it's just like a quick pad down of sweat or anything. It's not anything salacious or anything. It's like, you know what? Human people will do some very mundane human stuff. And I thought that was really good to see that they just played it forward. They didn't tell us like, oh, it's two years later or five months later or anything like that. It's just like it fades to black. It it fades out out to black, fades into black. And then we're at a no, another moment in time, which I thought was really cool. I thought the, the, the temporal discrepancy, not discrepancy, ambiguity was like amazing where you basically only got two indicators. You had like the whole 10 years after 2004 uh, for the, like the first European leg, and then you had iHeartRadio, which has only really existed in the last what like seven years or so. So it definitely locks it in the 2010s, but realistically, not really. Like it, it could exist in 2010. It could be a present day thing. Um, the other thing on that was, uh, apparently in some of the earlier versions of this movie, uh, I, I mean, not script I, literally like the versions that have come out, there's been like the guy character, uh, has cheated on his wife. And so they have thrown in some of that stuff. Uh, and I agree with the two of you that I think by making it strictly about alcoholism, it it strengthened strengthened that point. You know, if they threw in like cheating or spousal abuse or like any of these other kind of like easy to tack on things, I think it would have lessened. It would have increased the drama, but lessened the actual the hit of the movie. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, definitely agree. Yeah, that's a great call out, uh, Blue. You have anything before we move on to the the next section? Uh, my only thing about the acting and story that I haven't said is that Eddie Griffin is alive, and that's a good thing. I like legit. I didn't. I hadn't heard about him since 2005. And welcome to the Eddie Griffin show. Apparently, that was freaking awesome. Is that the Is that the show with the whistle? It's the Andy Griffin show, but it's okay. Oh, I haven't seen Eddie Griffin since Chappelle's show. So, <laughs> undercover brother, probably. Probably. Uh, that was him, yeah, right? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, that was Wait. Eddie Griffin and Dave Chappelle and a lot of other people. I don't think Dave Chappelle was an undercover brother. Yeah, he was. Oh, he, yeah, was he was conspiracy brother. He is conspiracy brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's 2002. So, okay. Well, yeah, it's been nearly two decades since I've heard anything from Eddie Griffin. Yeah. All right. Well, we're definitely going to be probably talking about a bit more in story and characters in these next couple sections. But I'm curious, and we talked a little bit about you know alcoholism, but it, this movie definitely expands outside of just alcohol. Um, we have seen that you know not only Jackson Maine is drinking a lot, heavily a lot. The movie opens up as he's not only leaving a set. He drinks a bottle of gin in the car, and as they're running out of gin, he's trying to find a bar for another drink. And I think. If you were to go back and rewatch this movie from a lens of um, alcohol abuse, alcoholism, you know, drug abuse and substance abuse and um, all these things with addiction, you will definitely you can easily see like red flags all all over the place. Um, And so I'm curious to kind of get some of your points on, you know, the depictions of addictions um, in this actual movie, how that felt and how do you think 
um, people will be kind of bringing, like, how people will take things away from this movie. Yeah. For, first Look. of all, did did everyone notice the hugest red flag in the second <laughs> shot of the movie when he drives by the uh, the billboard and it's just four nooses? Yes, I did. I, I saw that. And I'm like, was... I, so oh. so I warned it for this film. I saw the first trailer. And I was like, oh, that that looks cool. Um, but I didn't look up anything else about this movie. I went in. I thought it was a PG-13 rom-com. Honestly, that's that's where my headspace was because that's where the trailer was. I didn't know it was a hard R. Unbelievable hard R. Um, and I didn't know that it was going to deal with like the subject matter that it, it went with. Um, so. So, yeah, like they really went there. Like I the whole time I thought she was going to. Well, they were dropping F-bombs. I know you see a little bit of, you know, Bradley Cooper's, you know, balls, but like, <laughs> I don't, what? No, you don't. I'm just tantalizing all the ladies that listen to this podcast. Uh, They're going to go out and go see this. <laughs> see Bradley Cooper's left nut. Say what? <laughs> Bradley Cooper's boobies. Oh yeah. Yeah. That nicely quaffed chest hair. Um, yeah. So the entire time I, First of all, they did a wonderful job uh, portraying addiction and through the rehab process, through multiple steps of like family intervention, friend intervention, like professional intervention, uh, the people that help you professionally, I guess, like both psychiatrists plus your band manager, you know, like coming in and saying and none of it works. And I think we've reached a place not in this country, at least with not necessarily with alcohol, but like certainly other drugs, specifically opioids, where we're hitting a place where none of this is really working, you know, and, and, and it's very real to this to this day where it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. If you get bitten by that bug, you're falling down. And you're falling mm-hmm. down a hole that's about six feet under the ground. You like that's that's it. And it was a very, very real adaptation of what that story is. I mean, literally, like I thought Bradley Cooper's uh, little man bun and his rosy red cheeks because he was always drunk and his piercing blue eyes were like the feature of this film. You know, he you just look at that man's face and it was just like, yeah, he is. He's got a lot going for him, but there is there's demons under his soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's great because there's a, so many shots, and I'm glad you mentioned this um, below it because <clears throat> you know Bradley Cooper's character Jackson has like facial hair and he has long hair in this movie, and you can clearly tell. And there are sequences that they highlighted his look, like how his. Um, facial expressions were but they definitely kind of showed his face when he was intact when he was using when he was intoxicated mm. and then there are sequences when people were commenting on the fact that when he wasn't using was he wasn't drinking and how his behavior acted and how he was changing drastically in different scenes and different circumstances but it was kind of like night and day and I, I think it only, you know, and it wasn't, and again, like, you know, one of the things I talked about, it wasn't like a public service announcement. It just talks about the fact that, you know, people deal with this shit. And I think it's a great, such a powerful call out of people deal with this disease. And even Lady Gaga says, you know, outright that it was a disease. 
you know, people are dealing with this. People, you know, just like just seems to can't sort of cope. And we even find out earlier on that his father was an alcoholic and his father basically treated him like a drinking buddy this entire time. And we find this out by Bobby of like, this dude was a drunk. He he didn't do shit for you. You idolize him because you were drinking buddies and that was it. But you like that was like his kind of downfall. Um, and I think it was kind of is really tough to kind of see uh, how Jackson is kind of be basically dealing with this through the entire movie. Also, another spoiler, because I'm kind of upset about this. So the fact that just looking at the IMD pa- IMDb page of this, it kind of sort of gives that away. Um, I don't know if you guys read the IMD page. I was trying to start reading these, but I guess not anymore. But it says, you know, a young musician helps a young singer and actress find fame, even as age and alcoholism sends his own career into a downward spiral. I think uh, that's fine. That's the first 20 minutes of the movie. That's been the point of this movie for the last four versions of it, too. Fair. Yeah. I still think it's spoiling. about. You do bring up a an, a good point. I think due to that like temporal displacement, you didn't really know if uh, Jack was using or not in any one of the scenes, you know. And you you had to rely on other people talking mm-hmm. to him to kind of gauge where his character was at, um, which I thought was a very okay. it, yeah. It didn't really beat you over the head with like, oh, he's drinking now versus he's not drinking now. You had to kind of conceptualize versus based on the surroundings well it's unfortunate because you know i sat here and i looked at this and said you know i i know a lot of my friends who are substance abusers who has addictions who are using and i can physically see i can physically see like the color of their skin their scent that like how they're acting everything just drastically changes and i know it's it's you know it's a joke we talk about you know people being drunk but this is like different you know um it's when people have you know that that need for it and they clearly got something else going on that's kind of deep down and you can physically see and I, and they they even kind of talk about this of when um Jackson came to watch her dance on one of her like numbers and she was says oh you smell good that was just one like kind of the small thing about the fact that okay that's a hint that he has not been drinking for at least a couple days and he was given some profound lines when he wasn't drinking. But then when he was drinking, you're not entirely sure exactly what sort of Jackson that you're getting. And so um, it definitely made, you know, it definitely hit home. Um, it definitely hit home for me a lot. Just, you know, dealing with this stuff, you know, in, in my past and like my history. But I'm I'm always glad to kind of see and uh, I'm always glad when Hollywood or people kind of puts this on the film, just kind of like, man, this is exactly how I felt. I just didn't know how to put it into words. And so now you see it. And so everybody can like get on the same page together. Yeah. Like uh, when I look at the way they portray Jackson in this movie, um, for some reason I compare it to leaving Las Vegas, which is another movie about alcoholism. And like in that portrayal, like it's very over the top. It's Nick Cage like showing like the worst of alcoholism and i like that they kind of mute like the behavior of alcoholism on here and it's more just about like the people around him discovering his issue and until it becomes like a out in front problem and i think they actually handle that really well where it's like at first and i think this is where like lady gaga shines a lot is that she 
So he's like, oh, yeah, he's had a few drinks. Yeah, he's going to pass out. I'll take care of him. Then I'll, at the time, like, he stops drinking because he's with her and they're enjoying themselves so much, like singing, making love, being a couple. But then also something comes up and he's had another drink and she has to take that. She has to do that talk. And, like, you see couples just, like, whisper to one another. It's like, have you had a couple of drinks tonight? that type of thing and he and like just to see him like get into that position where um one it still blows my mind that he portrays like something that a lot of musicians in the past have done where they get fully loaded and then they can perform on stage like it's nothing during that rory orbison performance like every time I see a picture of Jimmy Page and he drinks a whole liter of Jack Daniels, I'm wondering how does he hold the guitar after that? Who knows? It's just they've just done it so many times that it doesn't affect him anymore. It's crazy, uh, but it's like wow, amazing talent. But then all of a sudden, like you start to see like these things that usually they play for humor. It's a bumbling drunk guy. Oh, he fell into the bushes and passed out and everything. And like there's some humor, but also at the same time they're able to rep it up expertly when they get to the Grammys and everything. And you start seeing he's pointing at the video of her and it's like, Oh, it's you, it's you. And then like, she's there, like everybody's laughing and chuckling, but no one in the movie theater that's watching this is laughing right now. Yeah. Cause they know this is a messed up. And then all of a sudden he pisses his pants in front of how many millions of people on TV? Everybody. Yeah. yeah. It's and, such a, just a heart, and, heartbreaking scene. Yeah. And they do it so well. And even like the brief, like AA uh, meetings that he goes to, like, yeah, that first step is rough, too. You're going to be in a room full of strangers, and you have to admit something about yourself. And this is coming from someone that probably hasn't defined who he is as a person his whole life. Because he's had his brother take care of any type of things that might get in his way that he can't handle. And he's been left alone to play music and enjoy his life. And so what stories does he have to tell in that scenario? except that he drinks. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really cool that to see also there's another disease in this movie that kind of leads to his frustrations and probably led to the, I don't know if it led to the drinking, but the drinking, it's definitely something he sees as a catalyst to start drinking, which is tinnitus. Like they have this, this time where they're, they're doing a hearing test for him and, um, they want him to wear these monitors, these special monitors, so he can hear it. And he's like, I can't stand when everything, I just want to play. But ultimately, it starts to affect how he plays, too. That he does not, uh, he's not playing as well as he used to because the tinnitus is getting worse. His drinking's getting worse. Uh, and ultimately, what he loves to do most is getting away from him. Can, can I, I just put a. It can yeah, I put a quick little PSA? This is completely serious, too. Uh, no joking. Uh, you only get one chance at your hearing. Um, hearing aids can only do so much. Uh, cochlear implants. There's literally no way to supplement it once it's gone. If you go to concerts, put in ear protection. Honestly, like they, they sell them dirt cheap at CVS, and you pop them in right before it, like... I play in a band. I practice every Sunday night. We're doing it this literally we had to push this till, you know, later in the evening because of band practice. Um, I can hear because of earplugs. I can hear pretty well because of earplugs. And just please, you 
if you lose that sense, it's gone. It's gone forever. You will never hear it the same way again. Um, as someone who, uh, you know, we're going to get to the music section later, but like as someone who sound is infinitely interesting to me, um, being deprived of that sense is heartbreaking. Uh, so sorry, not to soapbox on it, but like just put in ear protection. If you're going out to a club, if you're going out to a, you know, dance party, like anything that's going to be super loud, pop something in. I promise you couldn't have heard the person talking to you anyways over the music. So wearing ear protection will literally not do anything. Your body will still absorb all those bass frequencies that we know and love. And you get to boogie your butt down during it. And you, you want to, you won't even notice the difference except your, your ears will. So please wear ear protection. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the one thing that I was going to mention, Brylan was the movie actually starts off um, hinting the fact that he has tinnitus. Um, and the first opening, the first thing that we see is he takes some pills, takes it with a drink. And right when he does that, you hear that tone that's happening. Yeah. So that was literally the first food, like maybe three minutes of the movie. And immediately I was like, kind of sort of getting some hints of baby driver, sort of like what kind of what they did there too. And I was like, I wonder, but they didn't mention it. They didn't say anything about it until over, you know, an hour and 45 minutes after that sequence. And now it's like, oh, shit. Okay. That's in that. And he's talking, he's talking about it while he's at um, the rehab uh, facility. I'm talking to a sponsor about that. And, you know, I, I there's so many like breadcrumbs that this movie sort of left that was definitely intentional. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but you know, for a second viewing, I think we start you'll start seeing you'll be able to notice a lot of these things, a lot of these picks up. And it was you know a pretty uh, like they are pretty like obvious with it. It's not until the point where things start hitting later on that everything else before start making more sense. You know. Yeah, the only other thing, though, that um, I did want to talk about, because I know the next section that we're going to talk about is kind of the music and the directing of Bradley Cooper. Um, when it comes with, like, the, uh, you know, the depiction of, like, addiction, I, I definitely kind of talked about, you know, I, did, I do have kind of experience with, like, my friends um, having that, but fuck, I did not see that, you know, Jackson Maine was going to take his life. Um, even after like the conversation with um, her manager and even after the conversation that he had with um, his sponsor and it was heartbreaking because he attempted a, uh, he attempted um, a try in his life. He tried to take his life and he had to, he tells his story that he does there. He put, he puts the uh, belt around his neck and he hangs it. He tried to hang himself and then it doesn't work. And the ceiling fan falls on the ground and it's right. kind of, it's a, it's a story played for laughs, but after that he like he's laughing he's talking about it and he's like yeah my father didn't even notice for all, almost a year that you know the seal of was in the ground that nobody even knew that i tried to you know end it while his father was alive and we know it to this time that his father died when he was 13 years old and yeah, so the so fact that tried it when yeah, he was young exactly and so that is what it makes it like Oh, so heart like that's what makes it like even more terrible and heartbreaking that you he knew at least that he was something was going on that young, 12, 13 year old knew something was going on, but he kind of turned to the bottle, turned to like those um 
you know, those things, those drugs, those whatever that he can do to take the pain away for a little bit, that's what makes it like even more kind of that like even worse. And to the fact, you know, then fast forward all the way to after he caps that conversation and Lady Gaga's character, Ali, kind of decides, you know what, I'm not gonna go overseas like we want to work on our second album and all this stuff that you kind of knew that what's kind of happening is that why she doesn't want to go overseas but you know that she was actually lying because jackson had the conversation with rez earlier and so already it's to the point where it's there's nothing kind of going for him and that was it, it was also heartbreaking the fact that you know bobby was the one person that took him from the rehab um, rehabilitation center back to home. And he finally got a chance to like tell him that, you know, it wasn't dad who I idolized. It was you, you're the person who I wanted to be. And, you know, I'm sorry for taking your voice. Right. And so it's, it's very sad. It's very heartbreaking because you get this character who finally, when he becomes clean, he's able to kind of like, speak how he actually been feeling he finally kind of apologizes to Allie. he apologizes to his brother he starts finally kind of talking about these things he never could really kind of get to he never could talk about but i think at one point when he starts seeing that you know my actions are causing me all this pain and i'm sorry for it but now my actions have caused everybody else so much pain to the point where now i'm stunting my wife's um career you know at that point, you know, I'm not entirely sure what else to do. And so I didn't see it coming. It definitely kind of, it still affects me, uh, you, know, you know, but it affects me because it's so many people. And I think we even had like a couple of, there was an OD earlier this year. Um, there are just so many sort of like talented people who feel like um, that's the answer. And I know when Blue was talking about, you know, his PSA for that, but you know, I had a lot of friends and I even had, you know, friends this year kind of commit suicide. And it's been for the last maybe two or three years in a row, I've had at least maybe one or two friends from either high school or college commit suicide. And so it's, you know, when you see that sort of thing kind of happen, and there was one that's been as, as early as, you know, last month. Um, and when you see that happening, you see that in the movie. That's another reason why I think these movies and the simplicity and the authenticity of how it makes people feel and putting that stuff on screen, because that shit happens all the time and people feel like there's no way out. They don't have anybody to talk to. When you put that on screen and uh, this movie becomes popular, not because of um, everything else but it becomes popular from the biggest things that they're trying to say i think that's what makes it important that's what makes it impactful like you don't have to say you don't have to have anything that talks about you know um you know uh anything to do with you know diverting somebody because if somebody has that thought they're going to continue to do it but if i would say you know if anybody out there if you do have a thought definitely kind of reach out to your family reach out to your friends reach out to anything that you can like you're definitely not alone in it um, you never will be alone in it. Everybody's going to have some sort of feelings that's similar to you. Uh, and talking that out is definitely going to be way more impactful because, you know, your life is important and you definitely should kind of cherish it. And anytime it's somebody else thinks that, you know, my life is not worth it, that's, that's all a lie. But it's a disease and you can't fight it on your own. So definitely know that you do have help out there and definitely um, you can turn to any help that you can. 
So let's talk about the music and the directing of A Star is Born. So Bradley Cooper's first movie. And uh, I think this is his first movie as directing. I'm sure he's directed some partial other movies, some parts of it. But I think this was probably one of the more kind of um, marquee uh, versions of it. Is I'm going to start first with acting movie. Acting no, and directing. This is his first like <laughs> feature length directorial debut. Right. 100%. I, I don't think he's done anything else. Well, I'm going to toss it to the music guru, uh, Blewett, which you got to uh, talk about some of the music and the directing of this movie. So apparently they sang this all live at Lady Gaga's request, which is awesome because I was watching nice. that. So, I mean, Bradley Cooper didn't play a single thing on the guitar. Um, he, he did better than most people do. Most people have this like weird claw that they just kind of grip the neck and then don't move their hand afterwards and then just move. He showed their... off the sustain note really well. I yeah, yeah, he, he pantomimed, pantomimed it okay. <laughs> better than most. Um, but apparently, yeah, they sang it all live because uh, I was watching, you know, you could watch like breath, like how your chest moves during that, those singing moments. And you could definitely see those slight differences for someone who's not actually capturing the take. Um, and yeah, they pulled it off. It was kudos. It was, that's a technological feat. Um, I will say this, that from the directing, well, let's talk about the directing standpoint first. There was no... Uh, score, right? So it was all just the original music. There's nothing like underscoring it. And I think that it really played into the ambiguity of how this film was approached. Um, usually, we've, we've talked about this before, but usually you can get uh, an action that happens. And if you underscore it with certain music, you can change the tone of it. Uh, for example, if you have Luke Skywalker fighting Darth Vader, and Luke Skywalker knocks Darth Vader down. You can either hit that with a triumphant like trumpet blast, and it's like, oh yeah, we got him. Or you could choose to underscore it with maybe something like subtler and minor and a little bit more pensive. And it's like, well, yeah, because he just he just kicked his father down. You know, uh, spoiler alert for a forty year old movie. Um, <laughs> Bro, come on. And so, but like, but that's the thing where like you can uh, a good composer will really draw out what a director wants in those scenes subconsciously. And this movie didn't have it. And it was noticeable. Like there were scenes that were just utterly in complete silence, except for the dialogue. Um, And you as an audience member didn't really know what the underlying concept was. Like, should I feel happy? Should I feel sad? Should I laugh? Should I cry? Like it was, it was very confusing. Um, and I thought that was like part of the brilliance of this film that they just only used original songs for the music moments. Like they kept on coming back to it. Um, with that, elaborating on that, I think that Lady Gaga might have been the most important part of this movie. So there was folks that were originally attached to it. Uh, Beyonce was, I think, the biggest one. And I think she got pregnant. And then Bradley Cooper stepped in like this is they wanted to redo this movie, I believe, five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Um, And so they had a bunch of names attached to it. And then I think Bradley Cooper did American Sniper. And that's what was like he started writing the script for this during that time. Um, But I don't think Beyonce could have done what Lady Gaga did. If you look at the credits, all of the songs 
were pretty much written by her. Well, with a couple exceptions, like Bradley Cooper had a couple. There was uh, Mark Ronson, I'm sure. He, he was writing credits, but I'm sure he's mostly music. And there was a couple other folks that were in there. Yeah, Lady Gaga brought in her homies for it. So DJ White Shadows on the pop things. Mark Ronson's on the pop things. Uh, apparently Lucas Wilson, uh, or Lucas Nelson, Willie yep. Nelson's son, helped Bradley Cooper out with the... Uh, that was his back The countrified rock. Yeah, oh, that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a bagging band. So, I th- but I think that no other pop star could have because they don't have the writing chops that Gaga has and the connections to the writing community. I don't it it wouldn't have happened. You know, it would have. I think Cooper was your visual. Lady Gaga filled in literally everything else, which was a perfect partnership. Uh, apparently, they had to pitch this thing, basically just iPhone videos of the two of them hanging out. Um, and do it in that. And like, it makes sense. It's like, yeah, he going on what we said before, he has the acting chops. She has the singing chops and the writing chops. Um, this movie also was unbelievably realistic to the music industry. Um, we were talking about this before where people are products. That's it. You, I, I thought one of the best lines in the whole film was the whole concept of like, People are listening now. They're not going to listen forever. Say what you need to say and be real to yourself. Um, I thought yeah. it was very interesting that the fact that she didn't, her songs before and then after, you know, later, later in the movie were, were heartfelt and had real things. But her pop songs when she was on SNL were like, why didn't you call me? It, like it was the yeah. most stereotypical. And I thought that was a nice little subtext of like, hey, people are listening say something and then she just goes to like every single other pop star. Um it's one of the reasons I like the I like the Asian character. Like he cared about his product. He cared about nurturing that product. He cared about that product getting big so it could make him money. And that's it. Yeah, Warren, but up? um I mean I that's also that... like one of the most heartbreaking scenes too. Sorry I'm not warm but Yeah yeah. It was heartbreaking. You guys do look alike. <laughs> uh, sorry, I think that's also like I, I'm sort of glad that it it wasn't like a stereotypical, you know, when she has the the time to say it, she's going to then say what she means because that doesn't really happen. Like, it, right. it's not. Re- I think it's realistic. The fact that once she's up there, she still has to do like she doesn't really have uh, too much of a choice, maybe. Right. It's still also unclear. It's a big gray area. And that's what I really liked about this movie, because you're not sure how she's feeling about changing her hair color and wearing these things and kind of having these songs and ha- having backup dancers. Now, you knew how she felt about having the backup dancers. The first instance that she says, no, I don't want them. But then after that, she you see her with these backup dancers. And so I really like that. In this movie, you have Bradley Cooper's character, uh, Jackson, who talks about, like, you know, make sure this is what you want and kind of slow down and kind of take this in. And do you hear yourself? Do you hear yourself right now? Like, he's having a lot of these sort of, like, thoughts because he was there. He he also kind of lived that before she did. But she was also way more famous than he ever was. But I love the we fact don't know that. that- she was famous? No, because we, we saw him on the, de- the decline, on the other side. We don't know his absolute fame. We don't know his regrets from that era, that era. I thought it... So, uh, oh, that's true. That, that yeah, is yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of... know I, that I, she's kinda, getting the first taste of success. Yeah. Right, and he's getting his born. last taste. He's getting his corporate gigs. I didn't know if he got gigs. a Grammy. 
I don't know if he got a Grammy or anything. I didn't. I didn't think that he got any of that information. Um, but you did. We don't know. You know we don't I know. I wasn't sure. Yeah, but I like that he at least. Um, like it was a lot of gray area because you're not sure if that's the music that she wants to play or not. And, you know, sometimes you may not have, uh, the, the biggest choice to kind of affect or kind of play the music that you want to play. And although he's telling her to, you know, say what you want to say, you don't really see that. You don't see her immediately kind of do that. Like a storytelling. Oh, cool. I have the ability. I know it's easy. I'm just going to do it. No, that doesn't happen. And I'm really glad for that, that they didn't make that two things on that. First of all, I loved the, there was a little moment when they were recording in the studio and she, they had to bring the piano in so she could play it. And they were doing a little bit of playback on it and it was piano with a little bit of electronic drums in it. Like the, yeah. the, the, it wasn't even a beat. It was just random, like, you know, a couple backbeats. You'd have the electronic snare and you just, Apple loops repeat. Yep. And you just <laughs> had that moment where like it literally, it was the crossover from her doing a real authentic thing. And then she doesn't even realize it, but it's being warped into a product, into a commercialized ideal. Um, I thought that was a really nice, subtle touch. Uh, the other thing, and I think to end on the the whole portrayal of the music industry and like kind of how it worked, um, there are an unbelievable amount of people out there with talent. Uh, I think one of my favorite stories is this lady won a game show and her last job before that was a backup singer at a random bar in Texas. Now, that lady turned out to be Kelly Clarkson, who has had a 20-year, nearly 20-year career spanning insane amount of hit singles. And she, was a, she wasn't even the, the primary singer at a club like that. And it really just unbelievably drives home how, like, fickle that industry is. And in any industry, really, like, you could, you could pick anything and it's like... You know, there's other developers out there that were doing stuff like Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, you know, like, but they just happened to make the right product at the right time for the right people. And it just went from there. You know, like it's there's there is an unbelievable amount of failures out there that have had every bit the same amount of talent as the people that had succeeded in that same industry. Um, and I, I, I love that. I loved how they drove that home that like she is a random girl from some random bar that randomly bumped into some guy that randomly got put in front of some arbitrary, you know, uh, A&R dude who pumped her up and she randomly had a big hit that people liked. Um, it, it, that was very authentic in my, my mind and really drove home the, the grounded realism that this movie had. Sorry, that wasn't a ton about music. I'm sure if you guys bring up other points, it was more like the music <laughs> industry. Um, but like, I think my point on it, no music and like, oh yeah, obviously like the the country rock pop songs were really cool and like super poignant and awesome. And when La- Lady Gaga comes in for the duet harmony and the first song that they do was, was chill inducing. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's other bigger stuff that we can talk about, but then they like wrote a couple pretty pop songs. <laughs> Sorry. That, yeah, yeah, the chill inducing song that you're talking about, Shallow, was the biggest point that I wanted to make. Besides, I think you probably hit on all my other points, but I shed a tear when she got up there. And it was it was definitely a bit of the um, 
campy and cheesiness again from like the opening sequence of like the title card. But I, I got like legit chills when she was singing that because he kind of basically wrote that and kind of like set up the song for her like be like okay cool like this is what we're gonna do and she finally kind of sat there and kind of sung with him and like for that first time and she was looking at the crowd and just she had such an authentic and like real look on her face like i can't i i, I can't believe like would you go out like would you go and sing to all these people like randomly when you only sung, sung in front of like a crowd of people who you like your uh, co-workers um, I, I really, tell you personally, really I would that. poop my pants on that stage, and then you'll sing, right? Probably. Or w- well, would that, you sing? Fun fact: that is pants? that is Brown's talent, so that would be on par. <laughs> like he would get pulled out on stage, be like, "Brown, poop, poop, Brown." <laughs> oh, what you got, Brown? Um, not poop, <laughs> but um, yeah, y'all bring up some really good points. Like, um, I think. With Bradley Cooper's directing, I can't I can't tell if I'm more impressed by his directing or his acting in this movie, because I found both of them very impressive. Like, I love every moment of this film, how it's how it's actually directed and like the cinematography of it, because the framing of every shot is just a little too close in. Like, what, even with the first like stage shot, you're just like looking at it like, oh, that's Bradley Cooper's face. Excuse me, Mr. Cooper, I'm all up in your shit while you're on stage trying to play a song. Um, and it's it actually works for every type of scene that they actually have with those very close-up shots, whether it's him meeting Lady Gaga for the first time. You see her like just slowly turn her eyes while she's playing that, singing that French song and turn her eyes on top of the bar and look at him and he looks at her. That it's just very close and uncomfortable, but also at the same time intimate. Uh, it tells a lot about what's going on with these characters. Um, and it's also something where you can't get away from it. It's there right in front of your face at all times. I like how everything is very stripped down. Like you said, there's not a, there's not a score behind this movie. It's only about the songs that they make. And I think that's telling for the characters that they create in this film. Um, I think also you bring up a great point, Blewett, with seeing the difference of like building a star like through the machine of uh, the record labels versus someone that's a musician that just picks up an instrument and just plays play a song because of love of music. Uh, it's cool to see that difference. And it's almost jarring to see the difference between uh, Ali on stage with Jackson versus Ali on stage at SNL, even though both are very well-crafted pieces of music. Like, And I think that's kind of telling because Lady Gaga, even though she started with pop, her more like stripped-down stuff, I mean, is probably more true to who she is as a musician that she's doing now. Um, but uh, I would say, ultimately, I think with the songs, even though I like Shallow, and yeah, I definitely got chills when Shallow was playing. Uh, and I think they do a really great job with these stage scenes that even though everything is close up, they're turning the camera constantly. That the camera's constantly just doing these mini pans, and just kind of shifting on an angle and doing these mini pans that just adds a lot of cool action to uh, what's going on. Uh, but I think probably the best scene in this movie is when Allie's alone on stage. Jackson gives her that moment to sing her own song called Always Remember Us This Way. It is a beautiful song. It is chilling. It tells 
lot about where she is and what's about to happen in this movie. And it pretty much sets the tone for what this whole story is about. And I can't, I want this song to win. The song that'll probably win an Oscar is probably the Diane Warren one, which I think is the final song. But, um, but also give Lady Gaga an award for that performance too. It is spellbounding. There's so many songs in this, like in this movie that could easily win. So I'm, I'll, I'll be very curious, but I also like, that's a good point. Cause I also love that song. I forgot about it for a moment. So thanks for Alan for bringing that up. Cause I really liked it. So guys, we, uh, we have made it to our conclusion and our kind of final thoughts. So, uh, Brylan, what do will we say in our, your final like, lasting thoughts for uh, star is born? Uh, this is a fantastic movie. Um, I definitely want you to go out and see it. Definitely see it in Dolby Cinema. Uh, the music for this movie, if you listen to it in Dolby Cinema, is amazing. And the camera work is amazing on that big screen. Uh, definitely a movie to see in the best quality possible. Um, I think it's an expertly told uh, tale that's uh, simple on purpose just to elevate all the emotion, the acting. And you have the whole gamut of emotions happening here. Laughing, laughing, loving, grief, horror. We got it all. It's an amazing film. Yeah, I absolutely love this movie. I mean, um, I think at this point, there's only two films that are by far like my favorite this year. One's a documentary, and this one here is, I think he even said it, a bit of a biopic. I think he called it biopic, but a biopic of, uh, you know, Lady Gaga. But, you know, with, you know, Won't You Be My Neighbor and Now A Star Is Born, like these movies by far kind of transcend, I think, what that original sort of genre is, one being a documentary, this being, I would call it a musical. I, I think I, I definitely will call it a musical, although I know what you mean. The fact that a musical, there's like dialogue in the actual song form that kind of moves the story along. But I think at this point, it's like th- that sort of genre has also changed a good amount. Um, right. So I definitely would kind of call this a musical, but I absolutely kind of loved it. Uh, and I just love the fact that it's a simplicity of characters, of actual events, of things that people are hurting, loving, um, trying to fight today um and is very prescient of what people have to deal with and so um it's nice to it's nice to see that on screen blew it yeah it was phenomenal um it was what two hours 20 minutes which is insanely long for a movie that doesn't have a 20 minute cgi space battle in it you know like (laughs) Seriously, mm-hmm. like you, you can when when you stop plot to have people punching things for twenty minutes, it's funny how short a movie be, can become. You know, when you just take those out, it's like oh, good guys punch bad guys, gone. Um, and it really guided you through a full tale of these people. It honestly felt like a condensed Netflix show. I remember watching. In the, in the theater watching some of the end sequences and being like, wow, remember back to when we just met these characters and like how they were then and how they are now, um, which is something you normally don't get for a movie that's for, from a movie. Like normally you get it from a TV show, specifically multi, multi-seasons, you know, TV shows. 
Um, and to cram all that in and not feel rushed was freaking remarkable. Like, brilliant job on Cooper's part to keep the story going. Um, definitely would recommend it. Music's phenomenal on it. Lady Gaga really outdid herself on this one. And with that, we are the Down in Front Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in to our full review of A Star is Born, directed by Bradley Cooper. Brylan, where can people find more of your wag? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brylan, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. You can also find me putting up many movie and TV reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. And I'm also the host of the Gamescast, twitch.tv slash Down in Front Podcast. We are playing through Spider-Man on PlayStation 4 right now. And uh, Shredder, what uh, what you got coming up? Got any shows? <laughs> Next, Bradley one. Cooper's gonna pull Blue it up on stage. Oh, like uh, like yeah. Bruce Springsteen and Monica. Um, <laughs> that is a reference for our forty seven year old population. Uh, no idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. In <laughs> <Yeah>. Brylin. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um. Yeah, you can find us at Minus Music or Minus Band on most major platforms. Uh, we should do some stuff, other things, uh, and things also. Uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, we'll play plenty of birthday parties as long as you are in your 60s. Like, we want some of that AARP money. We can charge higher rates. I shouldn't be telling you this now, but like we can charge higher rates for it. So please, if you're about to hit a retirement uh, birthday party, uh, hit us up. Um, also, uh, if you want. Man, I can't make fun of this movie with Jesse. Like this, this uh, is like. Nah, yeah. You really shouldn't. <laughs> I, you, I was like, whatever you say, you should probably. I, I can't. I can't. Um, so let's just go with this. Uh, uh, JesseSucks.com. <laughs> Jesse's fame monster. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Jesse. He's like one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah. Meh, yeah. He's, a- <laughs> he's better than Guillermo. That's very true. It goes. Yeah, I'm not going to do the ranking right now. <laughs> it's going to hurt people's feelings. Oh, Jesse Kyle. <laughs> Kyle's not a Kyle's place. way down there. He's, <laughs> I don't think, I, I mean, he's a ginger, so he's not really even a, a human. He doesn't have a soul. Yeah. Check out more of our work at uh, downinfrontpodcast.com. Uh, we're going to be on Twitter, Facebook. I mean, literally anywhere and everywhere we have something going on. We are doing a lot of different things. So check out us on Twitter, uh, underscore JFP. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. If you check us out on um, Instagram, we're also on Instagram at downinfrontpodcast.com. Um, you can also, if you want to go and help us out, you know, we have early episodes and bonus content for our patrons, people who support us and kind of running the show. So definitely become a patron on patreon.com slash down in front podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for kind of um, joining in for tonight. I'm super pumped about this review. Our next recording will be Venom. Uh, super pumped to hear this uh, and see this and review this uh, Sony movie. Uh, so I'm very curious to hear everybody's thoughts about it, if they liked it or if they hated it. So I'm super pumped about that. Thanks so much, everybody. Um, Have a good night uh, and sleep well. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm waving. Bye-bye. It is kind of unfortunate with the whole, like,